0: Welcome to The Paulist, a daily comics analysis podcast. I'm Paul. Every day I take a comic book and I um, discuss it, trying to integrate analysis from a variety of perspectives. I invite you to dialogue with me on Twitter and Tumblr at TWOPLAI, or you can email me at 2 at gmail. Um, and you can find and review and share The Paulist on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Um, Today is Monday, so our Monday Marvel today is a little bit um, off of our usual. Uh, What we usually do is cover a Marvel comic that is um, out now this week, but we're actually going back in time to uh, 2010's Sense and Sensibility, um, which is uh, drawn by Sunny Lou, uh, because this week is our Sunny Lou focus week, and uh, written and adapted by Nancy Butler. Um, yesterday I started talking about Sunny Lou's art by discussing Dr. Fate number 15, and at the same time, um, reiterated a commitment to superhero comics and talking about superhero comics as part of the purview of the Paul list. but, um, but today, <laughs> I'm sort of breaking from that, and rather than talking about a Monday superhero, um, book from Marvel um, we're talking about Pride and Prejudice because we're talking about Sonny Liu, um, an artist that I find fascinating that I think is uh, he's extraordinary um, he is many ways the tip of the spear of um, artistic movements that are global in nature and origin and um, really doing something significant in the comics world and the comic scene um, all around the world um, and including here in the United States where I'm speaking from um, Uh, Just to fill out the background, if this is the first uh, episode that you've joined in, I'm a a comics reader, I'm an English teacher, I am a... um a, an academic, and uh, I like to look at comics from um, various perspectives, and sometimes it's literary, and sometimes it's um, it's formal, sometimes it's artistic and aesthetic, sometimes it's social and cultural. And yesterday, I <laughs> intended to start talking about Sunny Lou's art, instead spent most of the time setting up a contrast with the rest of DC's um, house art style, but I think one of the reasons that I wanted to do that is to be able to um, set the context in which I think sonny lou's art is doing very um impressively wide-ranging things and an example of that wide range is that he applied his talents to um sense and sensibility so about seven years ago um uh, marvel tasked uh nancy butler to adapt jane austen's novels um this was another time of fever pitch jane austen fandom <laughs> um and uh uh, t- uh nancy butler adapted one of um One of Austin's novels, you know, probably the most well-known, Pride and Prejudice, into a um, Marvel Comics Illustrated um, series, Uh, did pretty well. And so they went on to decide to do Sense and Sensibility. And what they did is they, I think, uh, this is sort of my my piecing it together, is that one of the cover artists for the Pride and Prejudice, who um, seemed to do well, um, was then tasked to do the art for sense and sensibility and um, in doing so they brought a different sense and sensibility to this retelling Um, sense and sensibility is tough to adapt austin is tough to adapt into comics um, into anything except prose because um, what austin does so well and so um, subtly and so so um, wonderfully is um, is to narrate the interiority um, the kind of Relationships uh, that um, characters have, where sometimes the words that they say um, is sort of all politeness and manners in the in the Regency era language of the time, but um, but to to very much mask at times their their true emotions or to um, to rely very much on subtext and (laughs) relying on subtext in prose is hard. Uh, Relying on subtext in um, in other genre. Um, in other media is, is ultra hard. Um, you, you can manage it with, you know, ways of speech and so forth in, in film and television and stage. Really hard to do in comics. Um, but they did it re- pretty well with *Pride and Prejudice*, and I think in *Sense and, Sense and Sensibility* they did it even better. And and, and to me, by by my measures, um, they did it so well partly because of calling upon Sunny Lou as an artist. And I I want to talk a little bit why why I think this 2010 adaptation of *Sense and Sensibility* does so well because of the the gifts of um, Sunny Lou's art. Um, and three things that I kind of want to want to talk about with regard to that that are specific to this work. Um, but I think before getting into that, um, it's uh, uh, helpful maybe for me to say that, you know, uh, I'm not an Austin scholar. I read a ton of Jane Austen as a as a teenager, um, if you can believe that, a Chinese-American teenage boy who just really got into to Austin. Um, but it was a time, I think, that was a nice setup, a nice precursor for me to become an English major, ultimately, because it was the quality of Austen's uh, writing that was so um, finely observed um, and observant about um, our social mores, about um, the things going on inside of our heads and hearts, the um, the kind of characters who um, were believable and believably um, uh, falsifying themselves, uh, not falsifying themselves. It didn't feel false. It, it, it's that um, in a in a you know culture, in a manner and in a time of um, Uh, high politeness. uh, In in Asian cultures, what we would call a lot of face. Um, You had to maintain face, and um, you had to maintain politeness, and all kinds of procedural things that are tied up in that uh, that have to do with your language and your dialogue. And and yet, stewing uh, underneath the surface, underneath the language, was always this, um, you know, Cauldron of passions and emotions and feelings, um, always tidily tucked under all of the, um, you know, the um, the the good manners and graces that you had to exhibit uh, at that time in that class, um, in that context. And so um, Jane Austen's novels began being published around eighteen eleven, and uh, you know, so we're two hundred years from that, and culturally a vast distance, and yet we still um, relate so readily to those. Those novels. And I think it's really interesting to see the way that Jane Austen adaptations occur in our times and um, what has to be done to them to fit them into the different forms that we have. Um, it's kind of known that Sense and Sensibility which was the first novel that was that um, Austin had published was originally an epistolary novel meaning that it, it was originally letters written between um, the main characters Eleanor and, and Marianne and other characters and um, when you narr- when you write a novel in letters uh, w- or, or a book in letters you you really sort of um, rely on what Austin does so well which is the the um, I guess the, the characters working out themselves, their own thoughts and, and expression with an audience in mind, but a, a broader audience, a bigger audience of the readership being able to read, you know, through and between the words to the true feelings of the characters. That, of course, happens a ton in the novel. But what what you do when you have a novel that you an epistolary can't quite accomplish is you have interaction and it's hard to imagine um, Austin being as good as she is without the novel format without the 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 gift of dialogue without the Rye response without the um sardonic uh and yet very politely couched <laughs> reactions that characters have to each other and so doing all that in comics is is as you can probably tell a lot of subtle communication that um you know yesterday we were talking about david finch uh and batman and there's a lot of punch punch, kick kick um you know airplane uh, automobile and david finch um i hope that i i, I feel bad for speaking badly about david finch who's a true artist but you know he really sort of only has four expressions <laughs> Um and one reason sonny lou is so good is if for this work is because is exactly because what he one of the things that he excels in and that he's gifted in is it is in in his character acting um, much of that because of his style because he's not conf- concerned about dynamic anatomy or whatever he, he's he is concerned about anatomy, but he's actually, um, uh, you know, um, I think it, he's, um, uh, it's subservient to to the storytelling. And the storytelling requires a kind of amount of gesture, amount of facial expression that um, banks on the kind of exaggerated and cartoony style that um, Sunny lou brings. So let's, let me get to the points that I want to say about how... Well, I, I think about how Sonny um does so well, his art does so well, in adapting this novel of manners into comic form. Because, you know, comics, there's good reason that explosions and fights and um, cool-looking cars do really well in comics. That stuff is, you know, really visually dependent. Um, and... Um, and yet, so much, uh, as I said, with Jane Austen is just about the furtive glance or the um, the subtle insinuation, <laughs> and that stuff is not so easy to do in comics. And so, how do you do that, Sonny Lou? How do you adapt that so well? This is how well he did it. Um, my, I've mentioned on this podcast before. I often read comics with my five-year-old daughter. Um, on Friday, I talked about the Babysitters Club and reading that with my daughter, and how much that helped in terms of her interest and her literacy. Well, a few days ago, I started reading um, Sense and Sensibility, the graphic novel, with my daughter. And keep in mind, she's five. And uh, Austin is totally over the head of a five-year-old, usually. Um, but there's the art was so attractive and appealing, and the characters, as they were drawn by Lou and as they were adapted by Butler, so intriguing for her that she just would not has not been able to stop bothering me about reading it together. And I and you know, reading is nice because unlike television or movies, um, you know, it it's natural for us to pause at the end of a page, talk about what happened, see if it made sense to her, see if she can understand um, the dense language and her father's uh, ridiculous, um <laughs> British accent with which he's trying to read these various characters. Um but uh but she gets it. She's into it. She's very into it. And that to me is a credit to um to the adaptation and to lose art and the kind of appeal that is there on the page. That this very dense language, um, you know, it my, it, it it's gone a long way really in helping my, my, my daughter to not just understand this story, uh, or to treat it like homework. She she's voracious in um, wanting to know what happens with Mr. Willoughby and uh, Mr. Ferrars, and most importantly Marianne and Eleanor. Uh, and so, um, so they've done a heck of a job in this adaptation and uh, ways that Lou does that. First I think that um, uh, in the interior art <laughs> versus the cover art of what Lou does as a in the ways he's gifted as a cartoonist, he can capture the interiority of these characters. Now, what I mean by that is that, um, you know, Austen has been um, praised and and sometimes criticized for being so formally neat um, in terms of the structure of her novel, in terms of its language, in terms of, um, you know, she's a reflection of the concerns of her characters who are very uh, mindful of status, mindful of of, um, politeness, mindful of... um, you know uh, of of saying all of the right things and so austen's novels are almost tailored like a um carefully tailored dress to um to look exactly as they should and um brontë in fact uh, charlotte brontë was w- was a little bit accusatory that um austen was uh, therefore stiff and stifling of of passions and yet anybody who i think reads Austin, um, with a little bit of openness, can sense and feel that there's actually incredible romantic passion beneath um, and underneath. And, and insofar as Austin is um, showing what goes on bes- behind and beside and underneath, the, um, the politeness and the language and, the, and all of that, you can feel brewing inside of Marianne um, when you read Sense and Sensibility, all of her sensibility, <laughs> all of the sentiment that's there. Um, and to do that in comics, you know, uh, is very, very possible and powerful and, and cartoonists have evolved the tools and the gifts to be able to do that. The little sweat drop or the um, the vexation lines on a forehead or the blush on cheeks that a colorist can underscore. And um, in this case, I think what Sonny Lou does in his comic, you know, flip through the pages of Sense and Sensibility, you'll see pretty typical panel usage. Um, we have, you know, the nine panel grid on occasion, the sort of standard, you know, nine panels all evenly spaced. Or you have, you know, three rows, two panels each. The breakages occur in ways that make sense for the flow of the story and um, and for the length, you know, sort of the, the beats that each panel ought to take. But um, there's a lot of text. There's a lot of text in this comic. Uh, I've experienced that whenever I'm reading it out loud and I'm out of, um, sort of, need to need to drink a cup of water between every three pages when I'm reading it to my daughter. Um, And and what Lou is able to do is to to take something that's really formally, you know, very neat, very uniform, kind of like Austen herself, but within those kind of almost strict rules to zoom in and zoom out on the kind of, on the subtleties of social interaction in the characters um, uh, kind of remarkably, remarkably well. Uh, you know, and one example of this, and it's something that Lou does, um, and actually a way that you could look at this is that you could contrast it with the, the uh, Pride and Prejudice adaptation that came just a year before. Um, the Pride and Prejudice adaptation um, was drawn in more of a sort of a painterly, um, realistic style. Uh, what Lou did is he t- brought in some one of these little tricks that um, is is all over manga. Um, in fact, there's even the, the the word chibi for the the um, disproportionate character, the character who's cute and whose heads are gigantic. Um, but it, but it reminds me a little bit of the basketball, the video game NBA Jam. You play that? You, did you play that game when you were a kid? You know, you just kind of. Um, the, the heads of the character the the basketball players are huge. And in fact, if you zoom in, and sometimes the camera would kind of zoom in a little bit, the um the heads would actually grow kind of bigger in proportion. And and it's so and so it's funny when you read uh, sense and sensibility, there's um, panels and pages and they're very intentional, where the proportion of the head, the head is maybe a fifth of the body, you know, in, in sort of a typical Um, comic cartoon style but sometimes you zoom out and you actually see multiple characters and suddenly the head is a third of the body and so you're like "Ah, that that proportion doesn't work but it does work because you're suddenly entering a, a certain zone of of zooming back and observing and kind of noticing the characters and um in a certain way and in doing so what um what you the effect is basically you recognize when you're zooming out and and sort of almost uh, you know playfully looking at characters and their interaction um, or or creating a certain distance uh, that um, gives you it's a physical distance that actually lets you see the characters as cute in some sense or as um, uh, I, I don't know I'm, I'm sort of at a loss for the words but but that that zoom out um, and then the zoom in. Is almost this um, uh, cartooning effect of entering and leaving the interiority of a character's mind versus um, zooming out to think about the exteriority of their social interactions and I think that's brilliant because um, Lou who has the ability to do cover art to do the kind of art that looks sleek and slick um, also has the ability to, within the confines of the paneled page, um, to do a great deal of, you know, coming into somebody's headspace and then coming out to look at interactional space, going into the words that, you know, um, that Eleanor is thinking to herself and then going out to the sort of s- subtle interplay between, um, you know, say, her, her uh, uh, Mrs. Jennings and Eleanor or, or Eleanor and Marianne or and... Uh, um, Mr. Ferrars, or whatever, and it's just um, it's it's how comics can do interiority in a in a in a sort of different way than prose, and um, I think uh, Lou uses that to great effect to do a lot of the interactional stuff that is, again, very subtextual and sometimes easy to miss. Um, so yeah, so so w- within the same kind of formal constraints. Like um, like what Austin does with the the formal constraints of, of language and tidiness that she has to write within. There's a whole lot of internal stuff brewing and it's, and it's really uh, clearly done. And it's because of um, Lou's adaptability. Uh, I actually haven't read closely that Pride and Prejudice adaptation that I mentioned. But I just can't imagine doing it quite as well when you have to adhere to realism in your art. When you can't uh, morph and bend the... Um, the characters sizes and how big their heads are I uh, the the effect of having their heads bigger is that their faces are always emphasized you know if your characters are you know shrinking and, and growing but the faces are always large then you sort of never lose touch with the subtleties that are going on in their facial features and that kinda of brings me to the second point um, which is that in this story which is very much a drama of mannerism of manners sorry a drama of manners um, uh, uh Lou is, is able to be so adaptable with mannerisms. Um, there's, uh, you know, a, a ton of, as I said before, really good acting that goes on in this book. Um, facial expressions that uh, range. Uh, facial expressions that combine with shoulders that are more or less slumped or tight or, um, or loose. And. Um, gestures of hands that you know indicate uh, one character's indifference and another character's um, volatility <laughs> underneath the surface of course um, and and those mannerisms are interesting because I think what um, what words do in Austin is that words both reveal and and um, hide at the same time they, they both mask and betray you at the same time and and those words because so much of them are about manners you know in the very sentence where you expect somebody to insult somebody they're actually saying something very um uh, appearing very kind and 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 generous or hospitable but actually you know you read it and this is why you you can only discover austin truly as a um as you become an adolescent and start to think about the the lies that are underneath all of our words um you know, uh, uh, underneath the the polite words that you say, you know, you you know exactly what the person means and, and what, what they're feeling. When they mean to be biting and cutting, um, and when uh, when they are, you know, are intending to truly and genuinely um, build a bridge with you. Um, and so, there's a lot going on in the in the um, in the manners that um relies on a lot of subtlety of mannerisms and as again like in Lou's choices to use um uh uh, you know most of these pages that we're reading that you know we're we're not talking about car chases here or horse horseback rides it's mostly faces and people sitting in parlor rooms (laughs) there's uh how do you convey all the drama that is underneath this um story this play of of manners and and I think a lot of it relies on the um, the ability of Lou and his in his art to to capture mannerism, and um, you know one of the things that you you'll notice about his his characters and, and this is kind of true of several um, Lou works that we're going to look at is that um, there's a, a kind of rubbery cartoony animation quality uh, to his to his action to his bodies. Um, I talked about this a little bit when I was talking about Raina Telgemeier on Friday. But um, the characters, the bodies, retain this looseness of line that, um, you know, sometimes when we pose anatomy in the way that it's supposed to look. Uh, and, you know, animators have been have discovered this and, and been banking on this for years. You know, any watch any pixar or dreamworks um animated work and you can kind of see it that we we want our animated bodies to be more exaggerations to be more um along the lines of our impression of a body than anatomically perfect than anatomically um accurate Uh, because when we sense somebody shrugging their shoulders to 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 um You know, reflect a certain sort of taut response. Um, We probably envision that in our imaginations a little bit more shrugged, a little bit more exaggerated, a little bit more tight than the actual physical reality. But it's because in our minds, the ways that we perceive each other, um, we perceive subtleties much more, much larger than their actual sort of physical representation you know like if somebody has a, a a vexed look on their face you sense that in your imagination sort of in a more extreme way than you actually see it because we're so attuned to the subtleties of of one another's um nonverbal communication, you know, we're so attuned to the subtleties of each other's facial expressions and body expressions. And so, you know, if a character is, um, is sort of footloose and fancy free, then, then we really picture their bodies with a kind of elasticity that um, is, is even more exaggerated than the physical reality. And, um, and I think the same is true of, of, of what lou is doing in his drawing he he always his characters are are bendy in a way they um they uh sort of um like i like i'm saying like sort of slump over or stand erect or um but dip their heads low or high um to the the same kind of exaggerated degree that a good animator knows how to utilize to convey um through body language a, a lot of emotion it's like method acting. <laughs> there's another uh, a metaphor there, see if that works. Um, and so in in the in that kind of acting, um, Lou is able to take this, you know, mostly characters drawn on a page and, and just uh, create so much drama that again, like my five-year-old daughter, like gets it, gets that there's tension here or gets that there's, you know, real affection and real regret going on between the characters. Um, finally, I want to just kind of point out the way that um, that uh, Austin is very much about, you know, a, a kind of social satire that requires a sharp sense of humor, and how much it serves that tone for Lou to utilize caricature as much as he does. I've already talked about head sizes and a bit of exaggeration of the body, um, but you know. If you were to kind of characterize Sunny Liu's style that he's, u- in, uh, he's employing here, we're definitely in the caricature zone. And I talked yesterday about how um, with the character Khalid um, and in terms of depicting different ethnic and racial groups, that car- caricature is, is, is effective if everybody is caricatured, right? Then it doesn't seem like we're just doing sort of base stereotyping. But there's a sort of sense that everybody is, you know, we're, we're kind of playing with everybody um, everybody's you know f- physiognomic features whatever right and um, and so you know it, it's kind of a matter of how seriously do you have to take yourself when you're trying to depict everything with with realism or if we read realism into caricature then we can take ourselves seriously or we could opt to um, to be playful about things um, just to illustrate this um, I, I'm thinking of, of actually Pride and Prejudice and that that there's there have been a lot of adaptations of Pride and Prejudice but two of the versions that stick out in my head are the BBC uh, miniseries version of Pride and Prejudice that kind of introduced the world to Colin Firth those few of us who watched <laughs> that BBC series. My mother-in-law was a big fan of it. So, um, And then the movie Pride and Prejudice that Keira Knightley starred in um, a few years later. And I remember that the, 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 the Keira Knightley film, I think it was in 2010, was um, just full of all this Hollywood drama and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, the BBC miniseries was a BBC miniseries. <laughs> And it was uh, sort of filmed with the same whatever millimeter camera, and uh, mostly in uh, parlor rooms, and you know lacked some of the drama and pizzazz of the um, of the BBC. I mean, of the of the Hollywood film. Uh, and yet, I felt like I could laugh with and at the characters in the BBC version so much more than I could in the film. It's like the Hollywood film had all of the dramatics that make you take um those settings incredibly seriously and the kind of sort of um biting social satire that i think uh you know that i think austin was so successful at a kind of social satire that on one hand is you know really depressing and 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 actually very critical of the kind of inheritance laws and the status of women and so forth and in, in the society but on the other hand is is sort of poking fun and and you know and i think sense and sensibility definitely is poking fun at a lot of things and you when you are drawing everything very serious uh when everything is played for just the dramatics just the emotion then that kind of satire is a little bit out of reach for us like we're not used to that satire being embedded in that well i think lou's style kind of allows for both there is uh something in us that that cares about and wants to be inside of these characters so that emotionally uh we we can um sympathize but but there's also a um sort of political cartoon-like playfulness about it that we can see that there's a satire here on the society you know when um uh, for instance their brother (laughs) is is enormously dense to some of the injustices that he is committing and, and advocating for and part of, um, we can laugh at that because he looks like a political cartoon, uh, the character a character in a, politi- a political cartoon. And so um, I think the kind of, again, the sharp humor that Austin employs, you can just see that Lou's caricature style kind of lends itself to that. Um, so yeah, so those are some of the features. And, and there's much more to say about Lou's art, and I want to save some of it for talking about The Shadow Hero Tomorrow um with uh uh gene Luen yang and then and then of course the art of charlie chan Hock chai on wednesday when we'll have much more to say um for those of you who come on mondays looking for a, a marvel comic and for me to be talking about um uh i don't know black panther which I'm excited to one day talk about, or um, to talk about um, Iron Man or something like that. Uh, I will, <laughs> I promise. We'll have some time for for Marvel superheroes. But um, in the meantime, thank you for joining me as I um, really kind of ruminate on on an artist who I just think is is incredible and um, incredible for all the different kinds of stories that he is able to tell. This is Sonny Liew that I'm talking about. Um, the incredible range of stories that he's able to tell that represent to me, the incredible range of stories that comics is able to tell. And the thought that, um, Lou has the kind of mainstream acceptability now, um, that because of his, um, Charlie Chan, Hawk Chai book, because of what he's done with things like shadow hero, because he's on a book like Dr. Fate just makes me hopeful for how, um, superhero comics don't have to remain limited to the tropes that we assume in superhero comics and likewise the barriers between alt and indie and graphic novel and you know mainstream don't have to be so high that we can imagine the sort of mutual inter inter exchange of of good stuff that comics can do and i think uh sense and sensibility uh represents a whole lot of that good stuff and um and hopefully brings us many more of us to the table as we talk about comics So thank you for joining me today, and I hope that you will keep reading. All right.